You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Nine Finger Chronicles episode. And nothing has really changed on my finger. It's, it hasn't grown back or anything, so I'm going to continue using Nine Finger Chronicles. Um, if something happens and it grows back, I may change it to Ten Finger Chronicles. Or there is a chance that I lose more fingers, and then I will drop it down to you know eight or seven or whatever the accident uh, dictates. <laughs> so, um, you know, this world is batshit crazy. We know this right now. And listening to today's guest, uh, Brian Lynn from the Sportsman's Alliance, talk uh, about the stuff that he has to deal with from anti anti-hunters um, and how they are literally trying to come after every animal in the United States, right? They're trying to shut down hunting on every animal that currently has a hunting season on, on it. And we think as deer hunters that we're safe. We're not. All right. He explains this to us a little bit today, but we are not safe. Um, I don't want to put out a doom and gloom scenario, but they just banned spring bear hunting in Washington. And that's what we talk about today. But how did they get to that point? Right? How are some of these states banning uh, these, you know, these activities, uh, these hunting seasons? Uh, So we talk about that. We talk about how we talk about how the anti hunting uh, community uh, activates, how they function, where they get their money from that kind of stuff. So it's a really good episode. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. like it's hard to fight them because they don't deal they don't they don't live in the same world reality that we live in right um they don't understand facts they don't understand logic you know if you stop a bear hunting uh season then guess what happens there's going to be more bears that's going to affect the ecosystem animals like deer elk small game any any predator right uh it's all going to be affected it's going to change everything there's going to be more human to bear interactions and the next thing you know everything's out of whack but they don't care about what happens after the fact that they they have stopped a season so that's how they operate and this is that's what today's episode is about um we are going to be coming out with some more hunting like strategies 
type stuff next week. I got Tony Peterson on the uh, agenda again. I'm going to be talking uh, an unfiltered episode. It's going to be coming out, I think, Monday or Wednesday next week. Not 100% sure yet. And uh, so we're going to get into that late season rhythm, so to speak. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, real quick, just want to run through the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles and uh, how important these guys are. Uh, Huge shout out to the following brands. And what I you know, we're, we're coming up on Christmas. So if you know somebody who needs some of these products, you know, take these products into consideration. Hunt Stand, mobile hunting app. Uh, I can get you 20% off SN20, uh, SN20, huntstand.com. Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands. If you purchase from their website anything over $200, I can get you 50% off discount code 9FC21. Uh, Wasp Broadheads, badass broadheads, discount code 9FINGERS, number 9, followed by the word FINGERS, 2021, and that's going to give you 20% off. And then Ozonics, uh, discount code for if you purchase one of their units, you can get a, a free dry wash bag nfc21 and then don't forget our other partners who i'm sure will be running specials throughout the holiday season vortex optics exodus trail cameras and excalibur crossbows Uh, please go out and support those brands they support me and uh, that's why i have commercials so huge shout out to those brands now let's get into today's discussion with brian lynn of the sportsman's alliance three two one All right, on today's episode, we are joined by Brian Lynn from the Sportsman Alliance. Brian, how are we doing, man? Good, Dan. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I wanted to get you guys on because, uh, you know, (laughs) there's some crazy things happening right now, and I think this is a a perfect time to to talk about this, and we're going to get into that here in a second, but for people who have heard of you guys, but don't know exactly what you guys are. What is the Sportsman's Alliance? Uh, Sportsman's Alliance, we're a nonprofit out of, based in Ohio, but we work nationally. We work in all 50 state legislatures, state and federal court, and at the ballot box. And our only goal, our only reason for being, is to defend hunting, fishing, and trapping. And what funds the North American model specifically from the animal rights movement. Uh, we, we work crazy hours when here coming up in January through June when the new legislatures will all convene at once in almost all 50 states, and there will be thousands of bills we're combing through to uh, make sure that hunters, fishermen, and, and trappers are protected. Gotcha. All right, so... That and the they are protected. Their uh, activities, hunting, fishing, uh, sport like sporting dogs, all that kind of stuff. All your goal is to maintain that and protect that. Yep, yep, and uh, yeah, it, it can. It's ov- oftentimes not obvious. Like it doesn't get much press, and people don't even know about it. But even things down to kenneling, you know, it, sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. Uh, sporting dogs that you mentioned, it's perfect. It's uh, a lot of times they we see legislation that would mandate dog houses, kennel runs, uh, how much water, time, whatever, which in theory sounds great, but if you apply it to a hunting scenario, 
It's not stakeout chains versus tethering laws. You know, nobody wants to see a dog on a stakeout on a chain its whole life. But bird dogs and houndsmen use stakeout chains when trialing, when training, and when testing and hunting. And that would make those things illegal and turn them into criminals overnight. Right. So, you know, things like that will weigh in on and either contact the legislator or turn up the heat and get with the media and get people calling or whatever we have to do to make sure that we're we're protected and our methods and means are protected. Absolutely. All right. So. This is where we hard pivot into today's topic. But before I I say that, I I just want to say, whoever's listening to this right now, get familiar with the Sportsman's Alliance. Go to their website, uh, sportsmansalliance.org. Sign up, do whatever you have to do, and just become familiar with it. And that's a a great place to keep up to date on all of the stuff that he just mentioned. So with that said, Washington, the state of Washington has just banned bear hunting. All right. Is this a statewide ban? Is this a specific ban or is it just bye-bye bear hunting? This is a specific ban for the spring, for the spring hunt, which was already a permit only hunt. And it's meant to reduce, to reduce damage to forest areas and paper paper lands to give uh, people recreational opportunities and to reduce depredation on deer and elk. And it's gone now. It's, it's been going for like since the 70s in one form or another, but it's been going consistently since 1999 every year. Okay. And now it's gone for 2022. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about what led up to this. Like how did all of a sudden something that looked, sounded like it was sustainable and, uh, you know, consistent all of a sudden just chopped and gone. Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, the animal rights movement is getting bigger and louder and finding more power within your big cities and those legislators and within the media, frankly, they're, you know, they've got an emotional story to sell and that's emotion sells, you know, it created, incites people and inflames things. And so they've been targeting for the last, you know, decade, predator management specifically, you know, coyote hunting, bear hunting, mountain lions, wolves, grizzly bears, all these things are big ticket items for them that get people stirred up and frankly lead to donations which makes them more powerful and allows them to do more. So the bear hunt has been controversial. You can say it's a ginned up controversy that some people don't like it and some people don't like hunting. Okay, that's fine, but they're trying to stop it. And last year, two people, two women from the West side of the state, I believe they're from the West side, uh, actually sued the, the state for, having the bear hunt saying on a technicality that they didn't provide enough public input knowledge and time and therefore it shouldn't be held because there's supposed to be a public comment period. Well, that was shot down in court because they had it in every major newspaper, had it in press releases and had it on the news. So they lost. They came back this year and how it's, it's fairly unethical. What happened here is, Every year there's, you know, changes to the permits there. We're going to remove tags from this unit. You know, there's only like 650 tags total, but they'll remove some based on population or depredation or whatever, or add some, you know, so they're voting on changes 
And that's what sportsmen showed up to and started commenting on. These are the changes. I agree with this. I don't agree with this. End it as a permit system and make it over the counter. You know, we're arguing about the permit system and the changes to it. In reality, what was going on is the other side was arguing against it completely. And frankly, there's a couple of commissioners, three or four on a eight-man commission, who are anti-hunting by and large. And they listened to those sides, the emotional side of not holding it. And that was what they hinged their vote on. And what happened is it came out as a tie because we have four commissioners instead of nine that the governor is lackadaisical and hasn't appointed another one to Eastern Washington. And therefore any tie and the regulation doesn't pass. And so they, what happened is the regulations weren't passed. Therefore there will be no spring season in 2022. Okay. So how does this, like, how does this happen? How do some like people who like for me, I'm a I'm in deep with the the whitetail. Whether I I I'm in the quote unquote industry or not, I am a whitetail hunter. I'm a bow hunter. Um, now you flip that you flip some wording in that sentence, and there's guys all over the country like they're bear hunters. That's what they do, right? They don't fish. They don't deer hunt. They're bear hunters. So how does something like this even get to the point where there's a vote? between people who live and, and do this every day, people, the, the science behind the decision-making, the, the hunters themselves, how a, a, a group of people can then come in and say, well, not so fast. We are here to stop everything that you've done or that you will do. Yeah, the government, uh, you know, has to run transparently, supposedly. Yep. Um, and uh, they have to opt. Uh, offer comment periods and allow the public to weigh in. Uh, their, their recent, you know, the last couple of years, their recent argument has been exactly using the North American model against us is that wildlife is held in public trust. So their logic is, therefore, they're part of the public and they deserve a voice, mm -hmm. which government must give them. So they come in and they say, we don't like this. We don't want this. They don't understand the North American model beyond that point. They have no answer for funding and conservation and wildlife beyond that point. They just don't like it. And when the media gets a hold of that, it's just an emotional argument. Mm -hmm. And when you're representing people in cities who don't hunt, don't understand this, and don't have to deal with the consequences and repercussions of mismanagement, they get that vote. Right. And, and the other side is bear hunters, coyote hunters, predator hunters at large are just like trappers. They're a small minority within, within hunting itself. That's where deer hunters have to step up. Yeah. If the deer hunters stepped up and defended this stuff, it would make a lot more noise, even if you don't do it. Yeah. But we don't have the masses and the numbers. Here in Washington, when they did the comment period, I think it was like 10 to 1 against the hunt of who spoke up. So it's emotion, even though we have all the science and the biologists laid it out there, all you have to do is create reasonable doubt yeah. within the mind of the public and within friendly commissioners and a governor who doesn't really care. Right. So my neighbor, he doesn't hunt. 
uh, if I told, if I went up to him and said, Hey, there's going to, you know, what do you know about any type of votes that are going to be happening in this, you know, in, in this upcoming election or this uh, voting period? He probably wouldn't have any, he wouldn't know about the, uh, any wildlife related topics, you know, that, that he wasn't in touch with or, or tuned into. So how does the anti-hunting community how are they able to rally votes and rally all this uh this this push behind them when the hunting community who is in it all the time can't can't get enough uh, like energy behind them to meet these people head on yeah that's uh it's a couple of different things one we're hunters and we're by and large apathetic unless it's happening to our specific sport and a popular sport deer hunting they're not going after deer hunting they're not going after elk hunting but they're going after things that impact it predators you know and they have reach beyond what we do you know and they get to lay out the game plan they get to pick and choose what they want to go after and we are left scrambling to react to it and that's just the way that the it's laid out. Like everything's legal. They get to pick what they want to attack and they can lay out the game plan. They can lay out their media buys. They can lay out their advertisements. They can lay out, you know, editorials and op-eds and, and get their media people, you know, working and scrambling, you know, they can do all that before and then spring it on us. And we're left scrambling to play catch up. Uh, and when you have somebody like the humane society, of the United States, which so many people think is your local humane shelter, which let's be clear, it is not. Humane Society of the United States is a national organization, does not oversee any single shelter in the country. Your, your local humane society shelters are run on local tax dollars and donations, nothing from the Humane Society of the United States. But they've co-opted that name. They have like a $200 million a year budget, largely based off of celebrities and then a whole bunch of grandmas who are given five and ten and twenty dollars thinking they're saving puppies and kittens when they're not yeah and when you have that much money you can buy a lot of media and a lot of lawyers you also have a lot of reach you can send out an email blast emotionally laden email blast about the cruel hunting that's going on in spring evoke images of mothers and cubs you know, and say that they're they're weak and they're just coming out of hibernation and how unethical this is, and click here, and there it is. It's in the funnel. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, you know, we hear this all the time. You know, like why should you know? This is almost like strategic war at this point, right? Yeah. This this is this is us against them, right? And it sounds like this is a a loss. Uh, like the, the hunt hunting community has suffered a loss at this uh this banning of, of bear hunting so i i look back and i know the, there's other guys who are just like me i go well whew, thank god it wasn't deer hunting or bow hunting right thank god it you know was out there and not here and then they forget about it right do you think that they are plotting and planning and and getting ready to make attacks on like stair step their way up, gaining enough uh, momentum and power to eventually try to take down, let's just say, white-tailed deer hunting, which is the most popular uh, North American animal that's hunted? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. 
and they use each of these victories to stair step to the next one. If they took away the spring season now. Guess what's going to be next? Fall season. Why? Because of the same logic. Most of the state doesn't hunt. Only like 2 or 3% of the state of Washington hunts. Therefore, 98%, they say, are against it. Mm-hmm. It's a logic, and it's, an, you know, it's, it's this idea that you know, it's unfair and it's unethical, and so why not stair-step it? They'll come right. after it. They, don't, they say we just, we're against this kind of hunting, whether that's coyote contests or bear hunting or wolf hunting or, or whatever, but you better believe that they're going to come after it. They have in the past, bow hunting. Their arguments are it's unethical. You shoot this thing and it, uh, you know, runs off and it waits for it to bleed to death. And there's a high chance that you aren't accurate. And, you know, they've done it before. We've had to run campaigns in the late 90s, early 2000s to save bow hunting. So they've done it and they will do it again. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. So where, where do we as sportsmen, we as hunters come into play here? Like, if, if someone hears this and goes, you know what, those bastards, I, I want to fight them head on now. I want to put time, energy uh, in, into not only just supporting what I love, let's just say deer hunting, but I want to I want to give the right to all hunters to ethically hunt any way and legally hunt any way that they can. How, how do we as a, a, a hunting community rally together to push back on these people? You got to get involved. You got to get involved at the uh, commission level in your agency level, uh, that's what happened here is, you know, not enough guys spoke up, not enough guys pushed back. They outnumbered us 10 to one, 10 to two, something like that. And you need to, you need to be involved at that commissioner level and game commission and comment. Uh, if you can just pick up the phone, send emails, whatever. I mean, social media is great for getting the word out, but we're going to get our ass handed to us in that realm. They have a much bigger reach, much bigger footprint and more people and a better message that sells and gets media traction. You have to be engaged at the right level. Get engaged at the commission level and push back. Make it known. Make those comments. When legislation comes up, which is where we work, is at the state level. We'll get involved at times at the regulation level, but there's 50 states and there's so much regulation that has to be approved every year or changed or goes against. We can't keep up with that. We need boots on the ground to do it and let us know and we'll try to get involved there where we work so much is at the state level because a lot of this then escalates up state game commissions by and large are great you know here in washington they're not i'm from here they're not we got four three or four anti-hunters like they don't care you know and this is a tactic they're using we've seen it in new hampshire we've for a couple of years now we've seen it we've defeated it three times in vermont and we're fighting in michigan right now they are one of their tactics now for the last couple of years is to make commissions not game-based. You don't have to have a hunting license. In fact, you should be from another side, somebody who doesn't like it or somebody who's in supposedly in the middle, a mountain biker, a skier, a hiker, or whatever, and not be game-related. So they're trying to dilute the game commissions in order to pass more things like this, like bans. By and large, they're not successful. So what they do is they move up to the legislative level and they try to pass bills with friendly legislators from big cities that then impact hunting and rural communities. Right. And that's my next question here. All right. So we have Washington, the big, the, you know, like for the most part, the, uh, 
you said the eastern side of the state is rural. You get to the western side of the state, you got Seattle, Tacoma, you know, the, the, the heavy population centers. You have a city like uh, Chicago. Uh, sometimes Chicago can dictate laws that are passed for the rest of uh, Illinois that are that that are farming communities for the most part, right? So how do we like how how does that work? How do people who have no idea how the rest of the state works how are they allowed to pass laws and regulations to dictate what is going on in an area that they may have never been to before on a um, on a uh, I guess you want to call it on a hunting or fishing or game or whatever it is something that they don't even do or understand or know. Uh, just the way our government is set up, you know, representative government. And the more people you have in an area, the more representation you have and the more voice you have. And, you know, impacts and repercussions be damned. You know, so that's how it is here in Washington. As you said, Illinois, Chicago runs it. And that's the major hurdle we face in every state is you just need one or two big cities. Yeah. And they make the rules. You know, so you have to find, hopefully there's a legislator that's friendly to you or understands it or can see down the road, you know, or hopefully you have enough of a contingency to vote it down, you know, from the rest of the state. Yeah. And then when they don't do that, when, when you beat them at the, in the legislative cycle time and time again, they move to the ballot box. And for those states that have ballot initiatives, they can just bring up a ballot initiative, pop two, three, four million bucks into it, which they have at their fingertips and sportsmen don't have. And that's a straight up popular vote. And that's what happened here in Washington. We lost some forms of trapping in the late 2000s. In 1996, we lost the ability to hound mountain lions and bears and bait bears. You know, so the management techniques go right out the window. And it's based on nothing, nothing but emotion. You know, and they and don't so care. They, throw it out there. they don't care what happens after this. The no, the no. whole ecosystem could be completely shit now, and they don't care about that. No, they, they like I say, wherever these things are passed, debt, disease, and death follow. Here in Washington State, we the state kills more cats than they ever have. I mean, it, and bears, you know, and so it's like they don't care. In California, they ban mountain lion hunting on an initiative. And within that, they they made it mandatory that for every cat that was killed under depredation by the state had to have a necropsy. They've got cats stuffed in freezers all over that state waiting to get necropsies, which costs money. You have to pay the people to do that. And so not only now are you losing funding money coming in from hunting permits, you're paying out money for licensed uh, guys to go out there for the state to kill them. And then let those animals go to waste. The bears and lions are not used as food. Their hide is not used. Their skulls are not used. They're literally thrown away. And in California, you have the cost of the necropsy. So now you're losing money and paying money out the door. The animal's going to waste. It's still dying. That's what the public doesn't get. They're not saving animals. They're killing them in a different way, and they're going to waste, which most people, when you present it with that, they go, well, that's not right. Yeah. But the Humane Society and the Center for Biological Diversity – PETA, all of these groups don't care. What's the end game? I mean, like, what do they care if we hunt? Like, what? what's the, I mean, other than, hey, look what we did. We saved this cute bear. But 
then they go away and they don't care about the topic anymore. They don't care about the actual animal anymore. Like why are, why are they doing this when it seems like there's no outcome? Like if they ban bear hunting and there was some kind of financial gain for them, maybe I could understand it, but there's not like once they pass a law, there's not any gain for them. Oh, but there is because there's always another fight. Like I said, Humane Society of the United States is the largest animal rights group in the world. Yeah. They have more than $200 million per year in their budget. They're making tons of money. They have more people on staff than NASA does. Think about that. Yeah. They okay. have lawyers. They have litigation. And if you don't think that wolves and bears bring in money... I got something to sell you because they do. Yeah. I mean, they are cash cows. These grizzly bears that we're, we've been fighting to delist. We've been in the fight to delist wolves in the Great Lake states for almost two decades. You know, yeah. and they're fighting tooth and nail. And it's not even. And now the the court arguments aren't even about whether they're recovered. They everybody acknowledges that now it's procedural, mm-hmm. and it's other tangent populations being tied together is their argument. And with a little reasonable doubt, you can get a judge to say, okay, show me that this is true. And then they just move the goalposts, move the goalposts, move the goalposts, bring in more money, more money, more money. Right. So this is just like a a scam, pretty much, right? Hey, people, give us money. We're going to go fight for some crazy right uh, or some crate, you know, to protect animals or whatever. We're going to get this job and then we're going to go on to the next one. And then they just snowball that. It's basically to feed, to feed their organization, feed their organization, feed their, make tons of money, but there is an ideological side to it. I mean, it's basically a religion, you know, and people love animals, pets, kids, and vets are your top nonprofit, you know, things that people give to. And so there is an ideological bent to it. You know, if you break it down, it doesn't hold up, but nobody looks that far because it's an emotional solve that makes them feel good about themselves and think they're doing something good. They don't see the damage that happens and they don't have to pay for it. Right. I mean, in Washington, the I five corridor, Seattle, Tacoma, Olympia, they're not dealing with coyotes eating their cows. You know, I have friends who are cattle ranchers out here in Eastern Washington, their cows, you know, during calving season, there's coyotes everywhere. Great time to coyote hunt, but you know, they don't have to deal with that. They don't have to deal with mountain lions coming into the neighborhoods or bears you know, it, it, people are getting eaten. Literally, we had mountain lions eat people here in Washington and Oregon a couple summers ago. You know, and, but by and large, they don't deal with the consequences and repercussions nor the financial problems that come with it. Yeah. It's out of sight, out of mind for them. Okay. They feel good about themselves. Let's say there was an equal force to oppose them. And what I mean by that is, let's let's say some billionaire <laughs> decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to fund the whatever it is to strictly oppose. So if they want to fight, we'll give them a fight. But this this time it will be a fair fight financially. If if we're going head up with them, like, do you see us coming out? Let's say we rally all the hunters. We get uh, not only invested in knowledge, right? And we are following along with everything that they're trying to do, but we also follow through financially with them, you know, to the end with, with, as them, how, like, 
does it become easier for us? Do we get uh, better traction? Do we get like to, you know, basically go, uh, 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 not this time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, when we get organized, we are very effective, you know, and when we raise money, that's really the biggest problem we have. You know, one is an organization we're small. I mean, even within the honey nonprofits, which are small, we're small compared to them. We have like two, two and a half guys covering the entire nation, making these calls, doing these things. If we had a team of guys that could be weighing in and commenting on everything, it would be huge. But a lot of this comes down to media buys. Like a ballot initiative, it's usually whoever has the most money wins because it's all tied to TV. It's all tied to your your marketing side of things where people digest their news and information and receive those messages. So the more money that we get in Maine in 2014 – they were trying to ban bear hunting in Maine outright. You know, of course they couched it as they weren't, but they were taking away traps, baits, and hounds, which was 97% of the bear harvest in Maine, which is a very thick, dense forest. Yeah. You know, that you have to do that. Your spot and stock stuff is two to three percent of the harvest. So they it was more money than any than both sides had spent on a ballot initiative before and it was getting close to that three million mark on both sides. They have that kind of funding. They get to choose when they're going to do it. They can choose to allocate it on whichever year they want to. And then it's a quick game for sportsmen to play catch up and fundraise in order to make media buys and time those media buys around voting time and when you need to. Yeah. Flip side is messaging becomes a problem. They're saying, let's save these animals. And they put up cute mama bear with a couple of. Uh, Uh, cubs behind her and use emotional messaging our messaging becomes more difficult what are you gonna say i want to kill i want to kill them yeah okay that's not gonna work (laughs) yeah you know so you have to find what moves the needle which we've done in states i mean i think we have something like a 90 percent uh victory rate uh in ballot initiatives yeah when we're fully engaged with them and uh and working you have to find what moves the needle do the polling and create the messaging around what moves the needle and time it. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to throw an example here at you. My wife, I'm a hunter, right? Every time I shoot a deer, she looks at it and goes, "Uh." But but <laughs> I have educated her, right? Yeah. And I she like when we first met, it was difficult. But now she understands, you know, I use the meat and the, the whole process, the whole lifestyle that goes up behind what I do all year round and how it's a 365 thing. So someone who's not connected, right? And they, they're, they, they're seeing this emotional messaging coming out of the, the opposing side. And they're going, oh, man, like that is, man, that's just too bad. I got to vote against that. But at the same time, what's that message that you guys put out to them? Is it more logical? Is it more, uh, is it also emotional based? Like, oh, hey, check out these wolves. They may look cute, but they're not. They ravage cattle operations and they kill, you know, and they're, they, when overpopulated, they even attack humans. Like, how, how do you, uh, how do you compete with, with that yeah. messaging? That's always the question, right? Um, and it depends what realm it's in. Uh, with the legislators, you can go to them and hopefully get a sit down and you can explain, hey, 
this is how much funding you're putting at risk. This is, you know, really what your contingency is made of. This is how it's going to impact sportsmen. Can we write something around this that, you know, makes it so it doesn't do this, isn't harmful to us? Or can we just kill it? A lot of times people, you know, the legislators are like, oh, I didn't even understand this. Thank you. You know, and they kill it. Or we know on the back end from, you know, who other politicians like this is going nowhere. You know, so it's like, OK, you know, so that's where that comes in a lot of times uh, with the legislative is you can use data. You can do the same thing on a ballot initiative, but a lot of times that doesn't work in the face of those emotional messages. So, yeah, we've ramped up the emotional side of things. And that's what we did in Maine and we did it in uh, Montana, too, is started off with facts and a message and moved in more and more to the emotional side as we drew closer to the vote. You know, by the time the main vote came up, we were playing a 911 call of a woman in Florida who was being dragged down her driveway by the head by a black bear. Dang. You know? Yeah. And and you have to do that co- to compete because reason and logic just don't absorb with this crew, right? No. No, you know, and people don't understand it. Well, you know, you can start putting stats out there. It just, we're a drive-by society, right? Right. And we're a soundbite society. So whatever catches the attention on social media or wherever is, it's a couple of seconds. And that's really the big overarching problem with hunting. It's a long story to tell. Yeah. How do you tell the story of hunting and what it means to you on the emotional side, what it does on the ecological side, how the North American model came to be, why that's important, you yeah. know, and, and it's a long story that people's eyes glaze over yeah. and they're like, oh, oh, whatever. Yeah. You put it in emotional terms, it sinks in and it's a quick message. Yeah. I love how they took the, the one little part of the North American model of conservation yeah. And then just like decided not to even listen to the rest of it, right? So yeah. hey, we the people own this. We want to write in this too. But the, and if they even mention the the North American model of conservation, they still like they're just saying they're like we like this part of it, but we don't like the rest of it. Yep, and and that's what we're fighting. Yeah, you know, we're fighting this. Uh, they're, they're trying to use the model against us, and they're just cherry-picking, which is what they do with stats on anything and everything. They cherry-pick the stats when it suits them and ignore it when they don't and go with the emotional side. So yeah. they've got you know they've got a full house in their hand. Um, but, yeah, they're using that whole public trust doctrine to say they deserve a vote, yeah. even though they don't have any funding mechanism backup. They don't have you know any idea. We literally have on our game commission – there were people that are questioning, why do we do R3? Why, why are we trying to recruit, retain, and reactivate hunters? Yeah, We're moving away from the consumption model. Literally been said. And they don't even understand the model and the ramifications of what they're voting on. But somehow they're still in power, appointed by a governor. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean the, the line of questioning from here, it's like it comes to a stopping point. Right. I mean, you could sit here and continue to dive deep and deep and deep, but the outcome is all the same. Right. So the next like the next thing, like how do we become involved? How do we say, hey, I want to make the biggest impact as an individual or let's let's start with an individual uh, first. Then I want you to tell me 
as someone who has an audience and someone who has uh, listenership and, and followers on social, how can people like me uh, do more? Yeah. Uh, you know, get out there and educate people. Educate your, you know, as they call it, your circle of influence. The non-hunters. I mean, I've brought goose, you know, that I've cooked up, you know, seared it on the grill and stuff. I've brought goose to Christmas parties. Didn't tell anybody what it was and put it out there and just watched it disappear. They love it. And then you tell them it's goose afterwards and they're like, oh, wow. You know, you can start educating people at that level, you know, educate them on the model, educate depending, you know, where each person is, find what works for them and just start planting the seeds and then get involved, as I said earlier, at the commission level. You have to advocate for what you want to protect and you have to advocate for all of it, not just what you want to protect, I guess, but predator hunting, the things that are going to lead to your passion that you want to protect, you have to protect the canaries in the coal mine ahead of you. Trapping, predator management, things like that. We need voices in there. And then I'd like to have everybody, man, if you can join the Sportsman's Alliance, please do it. Because the more people we have, the more people we can activate to comment on legislation, put pressure on, that we can help organize at that at that lower levels too, in the commission levels. Yeah. And frankly, the more funding we have, the more people we can hire. Like I said, Humane Society has more people than NASA working for them. Yeah. We have two and a half people doing legislation for all 50 states and uh, out of house uh, legal team, you know, fighting our battles. If I had 1% of hunters that could would join Sportsman's Alliance, oh my God, we could fight back and start punching them in the teeth a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And all that information is on uh, sportsmansalliance.org. Uh, yes, sir. All right. Cool. Um, anything else before we uh, before we, we split here today? Uh, we've kind of scratched the surface on a couple things, but uh, as far as maybe if there's anything that you want to elaborate on is on this bear ban or just in uh, getting involved in general. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, the bear ban, it's uh, like I wrote in that uh, outdoor life piece. If you don't think this is going to come to your state, you got your head in the sand. They are everywhere and they're coming after everything, even in strongholds like Texas and the, in the southeast. They're pushing into it through dog laws, through predator management. Missouri just had their first hunt. All the headlines were negative. Yeah. You need to put the positive out there. You need to get involved. You need to do this. Um, and the greening of game commissions and the greening of your state wildlife agencies, you know, these ecology type that sing the kumbaya, you know, praises of, oh, we need to do this. Nature balances self. Biggest myth out there. Yeah. Get involved, advocate and do that. As far as also educating, we have a program we've just launched called uh, Conservation Adventures. And within that is a conservation science class that we are ha offering to the general public. It is in something like 60-some schools in Ohio and Pennsylvania this year. 2,000 students every single day go into science class and learn about the North American model and what funds it and how it works. That's where we need to be going and that we are trying to expand right now. So if you got classes and schools that you'd like to see it in and you have a contact that we can reach out to a teacher the school administrator that would be willing to hear it and look at the curriculum we've developed 
It fits for electives. It fits within your ag sciences. It fits in within a standalone class by itself, meets state requirements to graduate. And that's where we need to be looking because that's where they're going. Yeah. Edo2 is a website devoted to brainwashing kids. We need to counteract it more than just your, you know, yeah. one and done, you know, thing. This is day after day of getting into the long story that is hard to tell, especially to kids these days. Yeah, that's a fact, man. Well, sir, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and school us there for a, a little bit. Um, the last question I have is, it's it's bear hunting is done in Washington. Spring hunting is done right now. Can we flip it, or is it in stone? The spring the spring hunt is gone for twenty two. Uh, we'll, we'll still have the fall hunt. It, it, that hasn't been brought up yet. Uh, as far as flipping it to get it back after next year, um, or even next year, I mean, we're looking at some legal stuff. If there's any possibilities there, there is a way for people to pursue repealing it. And we might try to work something around that. That's probably a long shot. Yeah. Uh, but technically it can come back. Gotcha. It could come back. It's, it's a vote, you know, and so it's a vote on regulation. So it could come back, but we're going to need a commissioner to flip. And the head of our commissioners and is we have two that haven't been reappointed or haven't been replaced. And we have another one who hasn't been appointed at all in eastern Washington. Yeah. And so it's unfair representation. So unless the makeup or the attitude or whatever of the commission changes, it's going to be hard to get back. Gotcha. All right, Mr. Lynn, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And there you have it. Another episode in the books. Uh, like we say, go support the sportsman's Alliance, sportsmansalliance.org. Um, also just, we, we tend in, in our worlds that we live in, we tend to live in the bubble that is around us. Sometimes, specifically for hunters, when our brothers in, in a different hunting community across the nation are getting attacked, we might need to back them up sometimes. And that means living outside of our bubble. So take that into consideration. Um, open your eyes, open your ears, open your minds, and uh, just uh, support this hunting community through fair, ethical, legal forms of hunting and uh that's uh that's what it is so thank you for listening enjoy the rest of your week the next this weekend we'll talk to you next week good vibes in good vibes out